What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Today, we're on the 19th episode of Biker Bar, and I cannot believe that it's been 19 episodes already. I don't know how to do math very well. Just a minute ago, I said that has been six months. Apparently, it's not been six months. 19 episodes doesn't make six months. So <laughs> nonetheless, I uh, just want to take a moment here to, to you know let everybody kind of trickle in, and then also want to talk to you guys about, A, thank you a lot for being here B, if you like the content and you want to see more of it, hit the subscribe button. I'm going to do the, the, the biker infomercial right now. Hit the subscribe button. If you like what you're listening to, hit the thumbs up. That's the way it makes me feel good about, about what I'm doing and makes me want to keep doing it. And um, someday it'll pay like a tenth of the bills. So and until then, <laughs> just keep hitting the button. That'd be great outside of that. If you want to pick up some swag like a like a biker t-shirt or biker hat, you can stop by shop.biker.com. So shop.bikerb1ker.com. As well as if you really want to help pay more than a tenth of the bills, you could go to Patreon, which is at biker. Oh, I'm sorry, patreon.biker.com. And that will be an easy way to support me and the channel. And what I do on there is uh, have different different tiers you could either join the buck a month club get access to coupons and me ranting here and there and uh maybe possible uh or extra content sometimes i'll make some extra videos or things of that nature and then there's also a five dollar month tier where you can um get some early access videos as well as longer cut videos and a sticker pack so i stopped selling stickers on shop.biker.com recently and i decided that if you want stickers join the patreon and if you just want the stickers join the patreon and if you decide that after five dollars or ten dollars you're like ah, oh, that's cool that's all i wanted to pay for was the stickers then drop the patreon it's that simple maybe you'll maybe you'll get some some content that you like and uh and and stick around either way man I'm, I'm stoked that you guys are all here hanging out with me today and even more than that it's pretty stoked that aaron i i believe the founder of pnw components he can correct me if i'm wrong here in a second aaron you want to say hello and and what's what's up with pnw components yeah what's up guys uh robert thanks for having me man i'm so yeah, uh i want to do a quick apology to gene over at rgmtb uh, when we did our podcast, I was totally off the back and didn't know I was on camera. So I was like in the dark with like this weird, um, weird setup with no camera. But we actually have lights today. So this is a big day, guys. There we go. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah. So my name's Aaron uh, and my wife, Emily, and I founded PNW Components about three years ago. Um, based here in Seattle, we make more and more components by the day. But really, our, our base was getting started with dropper posts. Uh, got that rolling. We have a whole line of, of pretty cool droppers. Um, now we have dropper remotes. Uh, we're getting into pedals. We're getting into handle. Well, we have handlebars. We're getting more bars lined up. Um, so yeah, really trying to get a full swath of parts. Anything that's like so, component related, we're going for it. You said you and your wife. So how how did how did that come about? Yeah. You're, so so you're out out mountain biking on the trail one day saw <laughs> finally saw another woman on the trail was like grabbed her up and like hey let's start a business like we should do business uh <laughs> of, so, so no emily emily's rad so emily does all of our marketing all of our design photos uh, for the most part you know we contract out to some photographers too but um yeah i mean we knew each other you know we were together uh much longer than than when pw started but um I don't know. We saw we were both working in the bike industry and 
I was doing product development, product management. She was on the marketing side um, at Marin. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so I, we ended up moving to Seattle, just you know, some family health issues. I had to leave Marin just because I wasn't able to travel anymore, but she was able to stay on um, remotely for a few years, which was great. So I don't know, we got to chatting and saw a huge hole in the market for what we felt was a really cool brand that people would be, you know, yeah, about having, right? So like good prices, good quality. We can get into this more later, but um, really we just wanted to get together, do something cool and uh, stay in the industry we loved and, and be able so to- what were, you doing, what, what were you doing at Marin? Uh, so at Marin, I was the mountain bike product manager for a short period of time. Like I said, I, we had a, a pretty gnarly health health thing up here uh, with, with someone in, in the family. So we had to move up here to help take care of them. And yeah. um, I was traveling constantly, like gone, 30, 40% of the year. So that didn't really work out for what, what our, our new reality became. So uh, did you go to, what did you go to school for then? To, I got to, a business uh, degree, but uh -huh. I was racing by, I mean, I worked in, worked in shops, you know, summers since, I, since I was 17 years old, worked in shops throughout college, um, was racing, you, were, you know, doing the Norba circuit and all that. So you were just a reg, like regular dude, like riding bikes a lot, worked at shops, went to college for business. And next thing you know, how do you get from like yeah a business degree to working in the in the industry like that? Yeah, I mean, there's you know a few steps in between. So um, first job I got out of school was with a windmill company of all things, uh -huh. and, you know, uh, residential wind windmills. Um, so I kind of it started out as like customer service, and then you know it was a small company, so that kind of gravitated into working on like oh well here's the issues with the product, engineers here's what I think you know. This is what customers are asking for. How do we develop that? So that's kind of, uh -huh. I got my role into product development. And then, you know, background working on bikes, like you kind of, you get pretty mechanical very quickly if you're doing, right. you know, bike maintenance or working on other people's bikes. So, um, yeah, so I was at the windmill company in Reno for about four years, three, four years, something like that. And then uh, decided I wanted to move back, back home to California and connected with a friend of a friend who worked at Specialized and was able to interview there and got into a product development role uh, there. Oh, wow. was, yeah. Pretty crazy. You know, right? It's crazy. It really is. Because what's funny is I had applied for that job, didn't get a call back. And then once I was able to get connected with the person actually hiring for it, I was able to talk to him and uh, yeah. get an interview and all that. So, I mean, it was it was a pretty pretty gnarly uh, interview process. It took, took a few months. But um but yeah, it worked out. So, I mean, that was huge. Specialize really is like quite the machine. I mean, they're like, you know, they're, I, I guess it would be arguably, arguably they're like the Microsoft of the bike industry, you know, they're the. Yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing, like, doing pretty, pretty cool stuff at large scale. I mean, that's really hard to do. Um, and yeah. they're from a marketing standpoint. I mean, that's, they're a total uh, powerhouse. I mean, that's, we've all heard of them and they, they, they make good stuff. So, I mean, that was great. That was really kind of the kickstart into the industry. And, uh, Still, some of my best friends uh, either work there still or 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 did work there, so it's it's pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah, people, people like to poop on them, you know, because they're the biggest company sure. or whatever. And, and I always yeah. say to people, like, you know, there's there's one thing that that's true about this company is you don't get to be the biggest player. Yeah, if you don't do good shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, your sucks. You can't be the biggest. So I mean, there, there's obviously a reason that they're they're selling more bikes. It's not just because their marketing team's like on point, right? You no, know? it's a. I mean, it's a whole thing. Like what got me into the brand was I was working for a shop that sold, you know, Santa Cruz, Trek, Specialized, Cannondale, everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a Specialized. This was decades ago, but 
I, uh, I had cracked the frame, you know, I was using like a cross country bike as a dirt jump bike. So you know how it was back then. Right. Cracked the frame and other brands had turned me down of like, Hey, well, that's not in our warranty. Like you can't do that. So you're screwed. And I, you know, I'm a kid. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not riding for a long time. Uh, but with Specialized, they, they took care of me. They got me a new frame. Uh, I broke it again. They got me another frame. So then I was kind of, kind of in on that standpoint. I mean, you know, yeah. good customer service gives, uh, a good feeling about things so that was that was a, a good lesson to learn about taking care of people but um that's really what what got me super excited about them at a very early early on basically so um but yeah they're i mean they're they're gnarly man they definitely do um, a lot of volume they do some really cool innovative stuff and yeah i you know i know there's a lot of a lot of static out there of, of people saying things so that's uh that's between you all and them. But I, uh, yeah. I had a good experience there. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. then you end up leaving, leaving there and somehow you make your way over, over to Marin, which is like a yeah. much smaller company, at least, yeah. you know, that they're definitely not making the mark on the, on the market that they, that they used to, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. That one, man, that one's interesting. We had five hours. We could get into that. So basically what happened with Marin is they, uh, they changed hands. There was the, the old team that, that got them off the ground up until, I don't know the exact years, but probably around 2012 or 2013, something like that. So they, yeah. uh, they got, they got bought and, um, um, quite a few people kind of shifted roles there. Um, and so they were looking for someone to come in and do the mountain bikes. Um, and a good buddy of mine, Aaron, who I knew from Specialized, he came in and was head of, uh, all of their like pavement bikes, um, gravel bikes. He does really cool shit. If you guys want to check those out. Um, mm -hmm. so got to talking with him and heard there was a role and he connected me with the CEO, uh, Matt, Matt V is his name. Really good dude. Um, and hit it off with them, kind of explained what my skills were and that, that basically, yeah, one thing led to another and ended up working there full time. So that was, uh, that was cool. That was super cool team. That's awesome. The bike industry yeah. is actually like, a lot smaller than one would think. Oh, dude, it is so. I always say it's just super incestuous. Like, so and so's here, you then go to Sea Otter, and then you're like, oh, what's up? And then they're working for another company, and yeah. everyone's kind of shifting around. It's a, uh, it's cool in that way, but it's also like, you really got to be careful not to burn any bridges because you're gonna yeah. end up with that person again. So it's, uh, it's interesting that way. I think it's, I know there's other other industries like that, but it seems pretty unique where it's like everybody knows each other, which is cool. Yeah, like, I definitely, definitely noticed that, you know, especially being, you know, being from the perspective that I'm in, you know, kind of coming mm -hmm. in and trying to work with different companies, you know, and I obviously don't have the like the pillar of fitness look to me. So like when I come up, and I'm like, hey, man, I love riding bikes. You want to like do something with me? They're like, yeah, who's this fat dude? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, you know? like, no, it's uh... bikes, man, you know, <laughs> but, then they see me like talking with some other company that I've done something with and they're like, Oh, maybe that guy's not full of shit. You know, he just, cause everybody with the camera now got a YouTube yeah. channel. Right. You know? So no, totally. And it, at the end of the day, like, especially with how, how good bikes ride now, like the fitness thing is less of a big deal anymore. Like as long as you can shred downhill and have fun, who cares? I mean, that's yeah, right. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've had times when I've been in more shape and less shape and, you know, it's to me, I, I'm just, I'm going with whatever happens. I know I, I like riding bikes, whether I'm in shape or not, like yeah. I have fun either way. You know what I mean? So that's the bottom line, dude. I mean, it's, yeah. that, that's the cool thing about the, about this industry is like, sure. It's big, there are some pretty big businesses. I mean, there's quite a few brands doing over a billion dollars in sales and that that's not just a niche. Um, right. but at the end of the day, like we're designing products to go have fun with, like, we're not, right. we're not making medical devices or, or anything like that, or, 
whatever it may be. But um, still, that that part is cool, and it kind of helps when I start to kind of get a little wigged out on certain things. I got to remind myself, like, okay, here, we're creating things to have fun, so we got to keep it, you know, lighthearted. You know what I mean? So, so how does this idea for starting this com component company? Is it just like you you and the lady are riding bikes together, and you start spitballing <laughs> this like over like burritos after a ride, and and next thing you know, you're like, because that's a big commitment to like, you know yeah. what? I'm gonna fucking quit my job and start this business. Yeah, you know, like, man, it was. Uh, I'd like to say it was way more planned than that, but really, it just kind of incrementally happened. Like we, like you know, basically, we were both going through a horrible time, just given the family events going on, and we really needed a distraction. So it was like, how can we create like our own little like utopia, right? Like our own little happiness right. to, to distract us from what's going on. So we got to chatting. We're like, man, you know, there, we don't see a brand that things have changed now but back you know four or five years ago like we didn't see a brand that really was focused on high quality products um good prices and then also branding you know like the look and feel of the brand and the photos and the way that we involve our customers in our, wow. in our marketing and all that we didn't really see a brand that did that and we're like well this is odd you know like i wonder if we could do it better um yeah, I mean, like, when you're saying four or five years ago i i, I think it was like one or two companies that were doing a dropper yeah. and they were just like super expensive. And yeah. then there were like these ones that were like a hundred bucks that nobody knew who they were by or where they were from. And so that would be like, you wouldn't want to pull a trigger on it because you're like, man, that's just too cheap. And, and you totally. know, everybody on Amazon or whatever is like, Oh, this is the best thing ever. And you're like, oh, I don't fucking believe that man. Like fake review. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like fake news, whatever the hell, you know? And yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it, it, all of that came into play, right? It was like, well, you know, kind of look around and really what it came down to is like Emily's design skills are, are rad. Like she's very good at what she does. She's super tied in with how brands outside the bike industry are doing things, mm -hmm. um, which, we tend to have blinders sometimes in the industry. I'm not going to say that for everyone, but just from what I was experiencing at some places, um, it was more like, well, what's this other brand doing? And can we incrementally change that rather than like look outside of that and see what's working right in terms of like how to communicate product details to a customer, how to, how to get our name out there quickly. Cause that's, that's always a challenge because there's a million brands yeah. doing this. So well, it was I mean, like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Like, like the whole YouTube thing. I mean, it, it is oh. definitely, a market that is well saturated by other other comp like other uh, types of business like camera equipment or toys and stuff yeah. of that nature and a lot of these bike companies man they they they're just like yeah I don't, I don't see the value there sure. but 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 the value is like probably stronger than than it is in a lot of other ways that you can market you know well it is because it gives you we, I mean, there's, yeah, you, you know, there's a million reasons. It, it helps kind of give a behind the scenes. It also, that's where people are looking for information, right? So why, why fight that? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's where people are looking. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, kind of going back to it. So, you know, Em and I had, had been talking about this, kind of threw around some ideas. And really what it came down to is um, through the process of specking bikes, you know, at Specialized, I was responsible for like 450,000 bikes produced every year. So, I mean, that's, that's a large volume with, with a lot of these factories. So I had pretty decent relationships with them going into Marin, uh, same thing, you know, it's not, not volume that, that size, but you know, you're, you're still meeting with the same factories. So right. it was kind of like, I know I can get really, really good stuff made. Um, 
in the best factories in the world. And because of my personal relationship, I know they'll talk to me because if they I was, already know you. Yeah, if I was some random dude, um, yeah. I think it would be a lot harder. I, I, I don't know how that would go, to be honest. So that, yeah, that I would imagine you got to go through a lot more like, like yeah. rigmarole to kind of even get to a point to be able to have a meeting with somebody, or you're going to have to fail with a bunch of other like not so good companies, you know, building your stuff until you can finally get to them. Like, so definitely your, your past experience kind of set you up to, to it kind of like kind of leapfrogged us, you know, like we knew what pricing we could get for large volume. So, um, not to say we have that exact same pricing now, just cause it is, uh, you know, we have much, much smaller volume, right. but, uh, but it still is a starting point of like, well, I know what this component should cost can we get there? And I think if you just came off the street, you wouldn't really necessarily know how that right. works. And that's to our advantage, right? Cause we're getting near OEM pricing and then we pass that on to customers. Um, which is why we have, you know, in my opinion, very good quality and, and very reasonable prices, I think. So that so kind of all came out, was it like a side gig kind of thing? Like total side gig, dude. Yeah. We were, we were just, I'd wake up at five in the morning, work till eight, go to work and then come home, have a little snack and then work till 11 at night and then all weekend, full time yeah. weekend. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was gnarly, <laughs> no wow. joke about that. Um, but it kept me motivated uh, for some reason. You know, like I, I tend to, I'm very ADD, right? So I'm like, if I'm not totally in on something, I, I'm, it's very easy for me to give up on it. But with this, it totally had me. Yeah, yeah. We started selling things and getting feedback from customers that they liked what we were doing. It was like, Oh man, this is insane. So we we did a part-time for about a year and a half and then jumped all in. And so we've been doing it full-time now for a year and a half. So yeah, we've been around three years uh, as of as of November. So just a, a few weeks ago. I can totally relate with you on the, uh, the the being all in. I always say I have a all or nothing personality. Mm-hmm. Like I am 150% charging on something oh, yeah. or I'm not fucking paying attention to it at all. No, dude, I mean, with riding, especially like you can't get good at biking unless you're all in. Like if you just kind of dabble in it, you'll, you'll, you're, you're going to peak out. But if you want to keep getting better, you really have to obsess. It's kind of, it's weird. Cause I think we think of obsession as kind of like not so good, but with, with biking, it's total obsession. Right. And business too. Like I, uh, I've had to make it a, make it a, a, a conscious decision to get out of the house and go exercise more. Cause yeah. Like, I'm just like glued to what we're doing. It's exciting. Like we're growing. Dude, that's awesome. You know, that's like having, having passion and having something that you can chase after in life like that. Yeah. I think it's so fucking valuable, man. You it's know, a- like it, it, it'll change the way that your life is, you know, like yeah. I've always chased whatever it is that I'm interested in. And I feel like that's always kept me happy. You know, like when I was younger, I wanted to be in music and I went to school for studio recording and like I was in a band and whatever you know yeah. and then at one point it was like okay that's not my my thing anymore and now it was then it was like okay i got into the tech industry and i was like that's all i wanted to do you know yeah. and, and then somewhere along the line it was like hey this freaking youtube thing came up and that's like now that's all i think about you know it's like yeah. but it, it's <laughs> totally. fun to have something that drives you that way man at least for me maybe some uh, there's other people out there that are content in a, a much different way yeah. And um, sometimes I look at them and wish I had that, you know, but um, most of the time I'm happy with just freaking running full speed at things, you know? No, I think dude, it's it's important because, and everyone's in a different situation. Like I, I talk to friends of mine, they're like, I don't know how you do what you're doing because it's so risky. Like things, you know, yeah. we're, we're now placing pretty big bets at this point 
with our own money that we've incrementally begun to, right? Uh, you know, like we don't pay ourselves. Like we, any money that comes in goes to growth because we're growing so quickly. Like any bit of profit that we get, oh, well, that means we have to place more orders. And so that's where that money goes. So right. it's not like we, we don't have a ton of extra money, but, um, and we're not saving, you know, in our retirement fund that I'd have if I worked at a big company or, or whatever right. it may be. But um, I feel that we're moving in the right direction. And because we're in a unique situation, like we don't, we don't have kids. If, if that were a, a factor and I needed to worry about health insurance and things like that, like probably wouldn't be doing this to be honest. So it's, uh, it, I think just kind of all these different factors aligned well. And, uh, like I was saying, we just kind of were like, well, fuck it. Let's try it and see what happens. And yeah, it was kind of, it was wild and it's scary. It's still, still makes me nervous, but, um, it seems things are going in the right direction, which is really, Do you cool. ever listen to podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a podcast called How I Made This. Did, I was heard? listening to that today, How I Built This. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that is, that, you know, there, there's a, a very common theme with a lot of those guys, you know, starting when they're younger, or ladies as well, you know, and just when you have that time and you have that, you know, that, that ability, there was like a really catchy phrase that they gave for, to it on one of the episodes. And I thought it was like really good and go figure. I can't fucking remember what it was, but basically, yep. you know, being that young and, and having, you know, that energy and, and not having all those commitments, it really plays well into you really being able to bleed, bleed in, into something, you know, or give it everything that you have. It does. It does. And you know, I don't want to, I'm all about encouraging anyone I know to go and try to do, you know, start with a side hustle, right? Like yeah. think of something that you think there's some sort of market for, whether it's a service, like maybe, you know, how to, I don't know, put listings on eBay and Amazon. Like that's very valuable. There's a lot of people who don't. Um, and you can do that in the morning or at lunch break or whatever it may be. And that could grow into something, but that's how we did it. I did not, I'm not like a massive risk taker. This yeah. was like, Oh, I'm just going to recklessly try this out. Like we got to a point where sales were coming in steady enough where I, I, I had confidence that we both should go ahead and try this out. And, um, you know, obviously Emily made her own decision with that too. So kind of worked out well, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, man. And there's no, it doesn't seem that there's any like set rule on how any of this works. You hear a yeah, lot of stuff yeah. on like that shows a, a really good one because everyone has a similar story, but how they came about it is totally different. Right. Kind of cool. And yeah, I, I listen yeah, to it's it. It's fun to listen to. I think it's like really, uh, um, like it's motivational to listen to, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, damn, you got, and for them, you know, I'm, I, there's no way we're going to get any, you know, I was listening to the one for, uh, Glossier, Glossier or whatever, uh, cosmetics. And I'm listening to her story and they're worth like $433 million now. So I'm like, okay, that's not a, not the scale we're talking about for us, but it's still, the story was still really similar, which is cool. So just kind of, kind of luck with like people you connect with or opportunities that happen or good timing in the market or whatever, like that, that part all remains the same. So that was cool. Really cool to hear. So anyway. Yeah, yeah I know th yeah. those are really fun, fun stories. So, um, <clears throat> you're, you, you guys decide to go full time, right? And yeah. you're, you're, you're still just like one product line, like at that point, right? You're just, just droppers. That's it. Dude, how first thought was, okay. Um, so I had, I guess let's back up a little bit. So when I was at Specialized, um, we had the command post. And to put that onto a bike, it's pretty expensive. So the bikes that I was focused on were all of our dirt jump stuff, which, you know, droppers don't apply there. Um, but then also all of the mountain bikes that were under like $2,000, uh, hardtails, right? 
So at that time, no one was really putting droppers on those, but I thought, hey, I love droppers. I think this is the best invention that's happened to bikes in, in recent history. So um, I want one, but I can't afford the command post. That would make the bike too expensive. So we started working with our team over in Taiwan. Um, and I basically started a low cost dropper project. Um, and then we connected with a factory and they're, they're who I'm working with today. So I had started working with them in 20, yeah, like very early 2012. So my relationship with them specifically with designing droppers, uh, started a long time ago. So that, that part was cool. So I knew, I knew what they had. Um, and I knew of some things I wanted to do to, to basically change them up. Um, and, and then create our own brand around it. So yeah, our first dropper was an externally routed, uh, dropper called the Rainier. And this is where the cable actually entered in at the head of the saddle. Um, yeah. so that's where we started, man. And that was like, let's get these up online. Let's see what happens. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it was a very slow start to be honest. Um, but that's how it goes. We were trying to figure out like, how do we get the message out there? So start connecting with different media contacts that I had. I knew that in my mind, people are either going to ask people in a shop what product they should buy, or they're going to go on Google and start researching it, right? Like they, right. they want to know what are other people saying about products? Like I can say all day long, we have great stuff, but that has no weight at all. Cause obviously I'm biased. So I knew right. that real customer reviews were our key and you know, we needed to have confidence in our product for someone to say something good about it, but also they needed to be online. So that, that was a huge one. So that's kind of how we focused was, how do we get product into people's hands? Um, start getting some reviews, get it into, you know, MTBR was our very first review, um, Francis uh, Sebado there. So that started to kind of get things going. And then I was able to connect with some others. We started expanding into more droppers. We got internally routed stuff, um, 27.2 droppers. So that's kind of that. that's that's awesome. how we incrementally started to grow. It was, it was crazy. It's really crazy. Because I know whenever I was, um... My 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 old bike. I had this this Cannondale Profit for like ten years, mm -hmm. and to get a twenty seven two dropper, it was like KS Lev or yep. like those no names. And yep. I'll be dead honest with you, that KS Lev that I had was freaking awful, and it didn't, it didn't work very well or not very consistent. And and um, so knowing that there's a good product like <clears throat> yours out there that uh, that's 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 awesome for a lot of people that are in that position where they have an older bike with that smaller seat tube size and and being able to still get a dropper and update their bike because i'm with you when you said a minute ago like this is a great thing i watched a video earlier today um it was a um, mtb savant he was doing a, a test ride on uh, santa cruz blur i believe yep. and it didn't have a dropper on it and it was just, I just thinking to myself as I was like, man, that would just suck to ride without one now. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah, it happened. Uh, it happened quick how fast it was. Yeah, I think uh, I'm sure someone out there can correct me on this. The first dropper I remember was the KS. I remember seeing that in, uh, I think BTI had them. This was, I don't know, 2008 or nine, something like that. Um, and I thought I was like, what the hell is this? This is ridiculous. I don't need it. And then um, a buddy of mine got one and yeah. Anyway, ever since then, it just completely hooked me. I think that Dude, they, I, was I think totally, they still are. Like, I, I totally held out. I was one of those guys that talked all kinds of shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, Dude, I've quick riding, release. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, I've been riding bikes since the nineties, man. We didn't need a fucking dropper, dude. You just fucking yep. put your seat down. If you put your seat down and then you put it up when you're climbing, like everybody else does, you know, yep. you don't need to spend $400 or whatever the hell it was at the time. You yep. know, I, I, um, and then I, uh, 
I, I, with that, that profit, I would sometimes I'd be like, Oh, I wonder if it, I wonder if I'd like an extra large frame instead. So I'd go buy one and on Craigslist and then yeah. just like take all the parts off of it, put it on my frame, sell my frame, and then, you know, try this bike for a while. Right. Yep. And then I'd powder coat it. And then I'd be like, Oh, I don't want this one anymore. I want to try another one, you know? And one of the ones that I bought, I bought it just because it had a, a carbon fiber lefty on it. And okay. I was and, and I wanted that lefty, that carbon fiber lefty. So, and when I when I got it, the dude had a a dropper on it, and I was like, "Well, I mean, that's cool." I'm yeah, pretty, came with it. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep that, you know, and, and I'll take the fork off and put all the rest of my parts on the other one and sell it again, you know. And, and uh, that was like it changed it changed my perspective a hundred percent, you know. Actually, using one where it was like. Whole, and that thing only had like a hundred mils drop or something like that, you know, like, oh yeah, but it, it was, was just like, it, it, it just like rocked my world. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And I remember thinking like, when I pushed that button, like, like I thought the seat like disappeared, you know, and now I have 150 millimeters up until last night, I actually installed your bachelor. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and even with that, you know, it's just like, I, I'm can't wait to get out actually and ride on that thing. But that being said, or what I, my point was with that 150 millimeters, I still would like hit that button and be like, where this thing's not getting low enough. Like I wanted to yeah. like, like I want to push that button and that thing like folds up like inspector fucking gadget like, and just right into the fucking seat tube. And it's just gone. You know? No, totally dude. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's now where it's at. It's like, well, 170 is not enough. We want 200. And yeah, I'm, I, I, I totally agree. It's it, it's funny how quick that changed. Cause yeah, I was in the same boat. I was like, ah, I can just use my quick release. That's how I've always done it. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I started noticing like on the meandering trails, I'm like, Oh, well I can drop this. It's kind of nice. I don't have to worry about having the seat between my legs or whatever. And then next thing you know, you're like, how the hell did I do this? Uh, well, the that one? I, think, <laughs> I think the thing that was the weirdest for me was, you know, when you rode with the regular seat, like you would, me and most of my friends all would agree on this that you would kind of like pinch your seat with the inner 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 thigh yeah. in yeah. certain positions and that's kind of like <laughs> part of how you felt connected with the bike yeah. and whenever you would use that dropper and that wasn't there it kind of made you feel like a little like off at first it was weird the bike kind of would start to wobble right you're like what right. is going on going on here but yeah i mean now that you have gotten used to it you can like completely lean the bike over i mean there's so much yeah. more it's crazy yeah now it's like you're like you're you're irritated if the seat touches you at all you know, you're like what the hell is going on here you know like, like what are you doing here right you know it's just it's just crazy like how yeah. how different that is but i i hands down like if if that that's like that's a must there there's not like an option to not have a dropper for me anymore like i i got on my um my cross bike which i i don't ride a whole lot and I had rid it, rode it on some some dirt, and um, I went to hit my dropper button, and it wasn't there because I don't have one on that bike. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, "This is freaking horrible. Why do I not have a dropper on this thing?" Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. somebody asked in the comments here, though, and I thought it was a really good question: was um, do you how do you guys do the engineering? Do you have like some something that you kind of learned along the way for the engineering or you kind of like tell them like at the factory like this is kind of what i'm thinking or they just do it all like how does that work yeah no it's a little bit of all that so we uh so how it works basically is these larger factories they have their in-house engineering team um so basically 
ideally how it works is you start with like, we have our own designer and engineer. Um, so basically we'll, depending on what the project is, uh, start with like, here's what we're looking at. Here are some specs, uh, here's a design. Um, and then you throw that over to the production side and then they have engineers that are very skilled and knowledgeable in manufacturing things. Right. Cause right. A big issue that we've all run into is there's a big difference between like a 3d drawing that is, that looks great and, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then getting that made. So there's a big disconnect there and every factory is a little bit different with how they're like tuning their machinery, um, what their processes are or whatever. So an issue is if you are very like rigid with your design and you're like, well, this is exactly what I want produce. The factory either may just not want to work with you. Cause they'll be like, well, no, we're not, we're not doing that, that that way. Or you'll run into issues later down the line because there could be something that they could have helped you with that very easily could have been fixed and you would never right. know that unless you ask. So it's a collaboration. Like we start with our team and then we push it over there and then we make lots of iterations with their team based on what's realistic, like what's actually going to uh, be able to get manufactured. So in the case so, of- I mean, like, Essentially yeah. all the inside, like how they work, right? It's yeah. pretty much like the same from one company to the next, right? Because that's not like a like a, like a a copyright or, or like trademark kind of thing, or do you have to design like a different way of doing it, like yep. than say somebody else? Yeah, so if you, so it depends. So if I were, a gigantic brand that had, um, you know, multi-million dollar budget, you can go out and start patenting things and designing a very unique design that's just, that, that no one else can ever touch, like no components at all. Um, given our size, we try to leverage pieces here and there that a factory may have already, right? So that, that helps us in a big way, because otherwise I'm gonna drop many hundreds of thousands of dollars, to be honest, to create something and then I'm left with really nothing. So that's what most brands our size are doing. Well, all brands our size are doing for this type of thing um, is, yeah, you leverage a little bit of existing technology. You put your, you know, your own specs that you want um, and then kind of tie the tube together with the engineering staff that the factory has too. So it's yeah. kind of a, it's a nice thing. Things have changed a lot um, very recently too. The engineering staff at factories that hasn't, that's not something that everyone has had access to up until somewhat recently, I would say. I mean, it, um, again, it's, I'm kind of generalizing because every project's yeah. different, um, yeah, but yeah. that's, that's generally how it works. And it just gives you more confidence. You know, it's going to work if you're working with the factory and collaborating basically. Um, right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell how we do it. Um, with it's something really interesting because, you know, yeah. just a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy on, um, on the biker bar with a company called Otis and they build these like speakers that, that they're not, they're, they're not earbuds that go in your ear. They kind of attach to your helmet and shoot the sound towards your ear. Oh, cool. So you can still hear like all the trail sound and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's definitely approaching it from the, I don't know anything about how to do this stuff yeah. way where like listening to some of the things that that you're talking about there i can hear where he's having to like kind of go through the trenches to get through it and that that yeah. prior relationships that you've had and the experience that you've had has really like really helped helped you out in this way yeah i mean i'm i'll be first i'm definitely spoiled in that regard just because I, I i basically leapfrogged right like i was able yeah. to work in, in a large company like specialize and learn from their team and how they've been doing it for decades you know and uh uh, the boss that I had there, Deacon, um, 
taught me a lot. Aaron Abrams taught me a ton. Um, these guys are very, very, very skilled, um, you know, veterans really in the industry. I mean, they've been doing it for many, many decades. So kind of hearing how to do things and how not to do things, um, right. kind of, again, it, it sped things up, um, and made us, to be honest, it made us much more efficient because we're not, I want to knock on wood here and not jinx us, but like we're, we're not making as many mistakes as if I had just randomly walked. Like if I got into speakers, I would have no idea what to do. And I would right. make, it would be hard, be super hard. Uh, right. But since we kind of knew how the game works in terms of manufacturing in Taiwan, at least, um, it, it's been to our advantage. It, it's, it's, yeah, that, that's been definitely nice. Um, going back to the development thing. So like our loam lever, for instance, ground up project. We designed that thing hundred percent. Um, and we're very rigid in terms of how we want it to be made. Um, and I can so tell you right now that I think that thing should just ship with all of them, dude. Like the other one, in my opinion, just like yeah. looking at it, like I, I didn't put it on the bike. Obviously I had, had yeah. the loam lever and just the routing being backwards, you know, it, with yep. the limb lever where it's like makes it much easier to get your cable length and everything like that yeah it just seems like it's a no-brainer i think yeah. so any of you guys that are out there that are listening and are potentially gonna buy a a pmw dropper i'll tell you right now hands down spend the extra money get the other drop get the other button it's worth it <laughs> uh, well yeah so the the lumb, so with that if you guys are wanting to bundle a drop with a loam lever uh we have a discount that i'm happy you guys for you guys to use it's called add the loam a-d-d-t-h-e-l-o-a-l-o-a-m uh so add the loam just use that you'll get a discount um when you're bundling stuff together because yeah we want to here's the deal right 199 dollar dropper with cables and lever um our hands are kind of tied like the loam lever is super expensive for us to make so i can't include it but with, oh, we do have some new products coming here January, February timeframe um, that will have the loam lever coming with it, which is cool. You so know, I'm stoked about that. Is that little rubber piece on there? Is that something that you could, you guys could figure out a way to like um, change the color of, like by whatever the person wants to put on there? You like, know, like a hey, I, I can pick yeah. like 16 or 10 different colors, you know, because everybody's yeah. all about at least me. I like blinging my shit out and I like matchy yeah. matchy and I've fallen into all that crap. And I'm like, oh, I need to get the, the stem caps that are the same color as my my fucking <laughs> nipples or whatever the hell, you know. And yeah, and so I'm looking at the button and I'm like, okay, well, if I could change that button color, that would be the first thing I would want to do. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's something we're trying to work towards because right now, basically, what happens is, um, like getting them any color, getting them made in any color, that's that's no biggie at all. Right. The issue is each one has a, 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 a 3M adhesive on the back side of it. Oh, okay. it. So like if you were to pull that thing out, pull the little pad out, you're going to see there's a little machine cavity in there and it has to perfectly fit in there. And if there's any contamination, meaning like any specks of dust at all or right. any, like, any residue from the existing glue and all that, um, it's not going to stick very well. And then people aren't going to be stoked, right? They're going to be like, well, what the hell, dude? Like my pad's falling off here. So I'm trying to figure out a way where that's easier to do. Cause I totally agree, man. Like I'm all about matching my stuff. I mean, a lot of people are, um, yeah, yeah. I think that if we can get to that point, that's, that'd be huge for us. Like that's we're going to start. Going with, I mean, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you had a little sticker pack like this and it had like 20 different colors of pads, right. That would be rad. So maybe someday <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, but, uh, Right now, like we will be doing some new colors. We're going to release a, a we're going to have a ton of requests for red 
Um, some people just want black. So we're going to have that uh, here in, in, in somewhat soon. So kind of slowly getting there. But um, if you guys have colors you want, can you can you email me? Just let me yeah. know. Yeah. That would be great to know because, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I think the black would be cool. I think, you know, like, because there's so much else on your bike that's freaking black already. So I think that would be like a no brainer color to me. Super clean. It it, it hides, like, if you saw, like, in the pad itself, it's got some details in there. Those will kind of disappear with the black. Like, you won't be able to see them as well. But at the end of the day, like, you got to feel good about what's on your bike. And if you want black, I don't care. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We're going to have that. So you guys have to order, like, a bunch of, of this stuff, like, and, and like fund kind of these big like purchases ahead of time and then you're selling all the stock out out of that that yeah so like with droppers for instance i have to order four months ahead of of what's going on and normally i'd be no big no big deal but like we keep growing to where soon as a shipment arrives like we're out of stock of a ton of stuff which drives me nuts drives me crazy that that's where we're at but um that's just part of growing right so um yeah, so basically we'll order up four months later, it gets here. Um, the levers are much faster because they're a smaller part. We're CNCing them, so there's no like lead time on ordering of raw materials or anything like that. Thing with droppers is like the tubing, right? So you get these tubings, those all have to be ordered. Um, the stanchions are hard anodizing. It's a special process that we do. Um, this is, it's not unique, unique to us, but that process, it's like a very specialty place that can do this thing called hard anodizing. They've got a huge lead time because they're doing the same process for like every dropper brand out there. So you kind of got to f- get in line. And since we're, you know, if we were a giant, we'd probably get better treatment, but um, yeah. we're small, so we kind of got to, got to get in where we fit in. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's a tough thing to predict what's going on, especially with the seasons, man. Like the bike industry, or at least for us, like sales did not slow down through the winter. Mm-hmm. And so then come springtime, like totally out of stock. So it's like, you know, so we're, we're trying to figure it out. To figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's constant battle. I know, yeah. um, Cali, I, I, I've done some, some yeah. stuff with them and they have had a hell of a time trying to get the stock of these knee pads that they made. And yeah. it's just like, they're getting them from some place in Italy and they're the only people that do this mold or whatever. And it's like, the Italians kind of have this like siesta kind of attitude about shit. They're like, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. You know, like they're just like, you know, and so it's definitely interesting to, to hear like similar, you know, issue issues for, for different, um, different, different people, you know, totally. I wanted to ask you, so is your wife the one that's doing all the, the packaging? Yeah. 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 So she designed your the packaging, packaging is on point, man. I oh, really cool. like it a lot. Cool. I, uh, I don't know if she's watching, but uh, I think she'll be stoked to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, you, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the company Stickered, but they do like yeah, uh, yeah. decals. And Richard's a big design guy. You know, he's a, the creative type, and and he had came over and he picked up the 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 handlebar that you had sent me, and he just like right away he said, "Man, this packaging is nice." You know, it was just like it was one of those things where it was like you know. And when he said it, I, you know, I didn't really think about it until yeah. he said it, and then when he said it, I was like, "No, it is really put together well," and it's like simple. It's simple, but it's still like, like gets the point across, you know? And I, I think that your branding works really well. You guys got that dialed in pretty good. Dude, thank you. Thank you. I mean, we wanted it to be, you know, we want people to feel good about what they're buying all the way from like looking at our website, which, you know, is constantly needing uh, iterations, but um, starting with there to actually receiving the product to, you know, obviously being stoked with the ride quality, but like, you know, receiving a package that's just like in a bag or something like that, you're kind of like, 
oh, well, that's kind of lame, you know, like this guy, right. whatever. So we wanted to make sure like the package looks good for the price and all that. So it's, uh, I don't know, trying to, trying to do, uh, trying to do like full, full service. <laughs> it's really weird how something like that really does make a difference on your, on your like purchase. It does. Like, I, you know, it. I, I yeah. think that's what like Apple, like really just nailed to it, you know, yeah. well, you know, is like put this thing, not only make a good product, but put it in a pretty box, you yeah. know, and people are stoked about that. I know exactly what you're saying about, like I have some Thompson um, seat tubes hanging on my wall right there yeah. from back in the pre dropper days. And it's like, yeah, it came in a bag, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, that's, that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least they did like a cloth bag, but like, man, think about, so like I had to buy an HDMI uh, cable and I couldn't find one. It, it was like a weird conversion. So I, I had to buy it on Amazon and it shows up and it was just, it was literally like in a Ziploc bag. And I'm like, yeah, oh, this is probably a piece of crap, you know, and it may it, like it's work. It's works fine. So right, right. There's nothing wrong with it. But I just immediately started off thinking like, I'm like looking for reasons why it's a piece of shit, you know, that, right. and it was just because it showed up in a kind of a ghetto looking, uh, package so then I, I remembered that and i'm like okay we got to do like legit packaging so anyway well i'm glad to hear uh glad to hear you liking it <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah. and I, I will say that um the machining on the dropper post itself it, it just looks really good it really looks good i like the fact that yeah. when it has like uh the line markers on the back so you can actually see how high it is or where it is like that you're putting it like to me it's like things that a rider would think of is like hey if i take this out i need to know where to put it back at and i don't want to put a piece yeah. of tape on it or something like that and even on the front side the way that you have your logo written with the letters really tight and small like that gives you like the like oh i know i need to be in the middle of the o that's you know what i mean where it's okay, like yep, yep. you know so so i really like i i felt like that like made a difference to me as well as like just that little bit of, of, of machining that's on the, I guess the cap you would say, yeah, right, right below the the, the part that goes up and down. Yeah, yeah, like, we call that the. It's really cool, you know. It's just like a little uh, kind of attention to detail kind of thing. Totally. I mean, that's uh, you know the design we came up with, but man, the the quality though. I mean, that's that, our factory is awesome. They're uh, they are the best at it. It was uh, we looked at quite a few, and like I said, I had a relationship with these guys. I knew what they could do, but. Um, yeah, we toured their factory, I don't know, September, October, something like that. It's incredible. Like you could eat off the floor. They're so dialed. So, so dialed. It's, uh, you think of, or at least I did, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was thinking of like, oh, well, what does mass production look like? I was thinking like tons of robots and all this crazy shit happening and sparks flying everywhere. That's yeah. not, uh, not how it is. Like there is cl clearly obviously machining, but like this stuff is done by hand. It's, uh, and it's by people that are like very proud of their work. Like this isn't just like, Oh, get in, get out. Like they're really excited to show you what they've been working on. And if you have suggestions, they're very open to hearing it. So that is huge, huge. huge so huge. what country, what country is it that the factory's in? Yeah. So we only do stuff in Taiwan, um, okay. Taiwan over the decades. Um, you know, we get a lot of questions of, uh, a lot of people assume that we're made in the U S I priced it out. Um, and our product would end up being two, two to two and a half times more um in price which that that doesn't mean alone why we shouldn't do it but really our story was we wanted to get as many people riding bikes as possible and to have a really expensive product that immediately alienates a ton of people like we really want like we're still getting a ton of first-time dropper users that's awesome like i'm stoked on that i get really happy about that so um if our product was 500 dollars um we're not that this is not gonna that's happen a, that's a lot of money man you know what i mean like yeah. at the end of the day, like yeah. if, if your bike didn't come with a dropper 
Yeah. It's an expensive piece to go out and get, you know? It and, is. And yeah. if you haven't ridden with one, it's really easy to have that perspective of I don't fucking need it. You, you yeah. know what I mean? So totally. that's definitely um it, it, I think that, that that's awesome that you're you're still getting people that are that are converting. It's I want to go shake yeah. everybody that doesn't have a freaking dropper post though, because I'm telling you, like I was once like you, dude. I mean, like <laughs> I've seen the light. Yeah. <laughs> come over here man you know? <laughs> no totally it's uh it's you know it's crazy i mean and and there are there's droppers being made in china there's droppers being made um you know southeast asia things like this so we're we've chosen taiwan for a lot of reasons a um the, the quality there is is top notch um especially with this factory that we're in they're 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 dialed like i have no complaints with them so um that's big and they've that's become basically like the hub for high-end manufacturing of bikes. Like they own that space. Um, and that's because of US, European brands, um, basically handing that to them over the years. Um, and they've gotten really good at it. So, I mean, I, I, I was having trouble saying no to, to doing things there. So um, going to another place outside of Taiwan, that I'm not so interested in uh, yeah. at this point. It's just, it makes things way more challenging. Uh, yeah, there's all these like companies that, build like knockoff stuff over there that'll look look exactly like yeah what the the other brands are like the bigger brands are are producing like do you have fear of of that or like how do you combat that or we're small man no one cares about us <laughs> so if yeah. if you were if we were bigger yeah oh hell yeah i mean you you see knockoff stuff all day long so i mean that once we get there, I need to view it as a form of flattery, right? Like, oh, wow, you know, being copied is means that yeah. they see value in us and blah, blah, blah. But like, we're so small, I don't think anyone cares. So that's um, that's true for a lot of brands our size. Like there's a whole kind of this middle swath of brands that, um, you know, are that are out there. But um, it's uh, like, I'm worried about the Lum Lever. So we'll see when the knockoff of that pops up. Like, I mean, it's gonna happen at some point, so. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of how, that's the modern world, right? So it's kind of this race of continually making new products so that the knockoff version doesn't exceed your sales. And yeah. I mean, it's like electronics, right? It's the like, other end of it, though, too, is like, you know, what your company is and, and yeah. your brand recognition. Oh, and people, people totally. will be like, hey, yeah, I can buy the knockoff one, but this one here is better because these guys are going to take care of me where those guys are going to yeah. tell me to catch a rabbit whenever it stops working, you know? No, I mean, that is 100% correct. There's, uh, I mean, we give you a three-year warranty. I, I personally respond to every single customer service email. I do this seven days a week, um, every single day, uh, all day long. I'm, I'm doing customer service if people have questions about sizing or whatever it may be. So that you're not going to get with a knockoff. Yeah. Like, if you have an issue, they're not just, they're just not going to respond or they're going to, you know, make it difficult or, Oh, you have to send it back to China to have a service. And that's going to cost you hundreds of dollars. And yeah, may as well. And it's funny. Cause I've had, um, had questions about that, right. Of like, um, you know, can you service this random product I have? And I'm like, oh, sorry, man, I can't get involved with that. Um, and we right. you know what's actually happened a few times. It's really weird. And I don't want anyone to like become, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just say it. So, one thing that really squirrely, sketchy people on Amazon can do is you can buy a product because basically how Amazon manages returns is they just weigh the box. And if it's somewhat close to whatever it's shipped out at, boom, put it back oh, on the shelf. Yeah. So what people will do is they'll just put some random ass product in there. So we've gotten some weird dropper post return back to us. Like yeah. 
I have no idea what they are. Like brands I've never, well, there's no brand. It's just a, a blank post, but I'm like, what the hell? So they're, uh, they're definitely out there. <laughs> and yeah. so what people are doing is, you know, they'll have this knockoff, they'll buy ours and then they'll put the knockoff back in and then they get a full refund. So um, that's highly legal. Yeah. I do not want you guys doing that, but we yeah. do, we do see what's out there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are knockoffs, dude. It's weird. It's very, it's kind of cool. I know you, you've worked with him, him in the past as well. He bought a, a, a GoPro and it literally had like somebody printed the picture of what the GoPro looked like and put that in the plastic, like, and then filled the box up with, I don't know, pennies or something like that. Yep. And, and he ended up getting it back. Like, so I guess they returned it and said it was unopened and maybe made it look like it was. And then he had bought it and somehow ended up with it. And it yeah. was like, I, I felt really bad for him because I was like, man, like, how is he going to prove to Amazon? Like that wasn't him. Person that, yeah. You know, like, cause what happens is, and we've, well, I, I can explain it in a bit, but like what happens is let's say you're selling an iPhone. Well, I don't know if you can sell those on Amazon, but anyway, let's say you're selling an iPhone on Amazon. They will lump everyone, any product that has this EPC code, whatever it is, like they'll just lump them together. So you don't know whose inventory is whose. So what someone, what people were doing for a while is they would get an iPhone, take the real one out, and then they would just fill in the little cavity with clay. So it weighed the same thing, return it. Amazon customer supports like, oh, it's unopened. And then they'd send it to someone else and they have a clay iPhone. So it's uh it's crazy it's it's wild how that can happen and it's uh, yeah it's, you know it's sad, man it's it's so sketchy it's like come on man. but at, uh, at the end of the day man there's always somebody out there that wants to freaking you know get up for free or whatever and yep. i think you know i think that's why things like this are important man you know yeah. like like you know if you're freaking burning that that you know <laughs> company for a, a dropper like you're taking you're taking food off this dude's plate man it's just him and his wife and an engineer or you know what i mean like that's like, what i'm saying i'm like if only you guys knew how big this operation was like yeah this is uh you know we're yeah it's uh because I, I am paying for that out of my pocket but yeah. it, it i think is. a lot of times people just assume they're like oh it's a big company yeah like yeah they got, they, 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 they got it written into their budget that they can have like a five percent loss in the year from products that are this and that you know yeah. they, they like like you know make that up in their own mind and it's like like for me you know then coming around and, and meeting companies and going to them and being like dude i i would have thought this company was like freaking a football field size and it's like no it's it's like a freaking couple of garages and that's what they're doing you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah no it's uh it, 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 yeah and i think i think there's a disc Amazon especially is interesting because it's we get a totally different kind of like behavior out of customers um, that buy from Amazon than than through a website direct. Um, Is there any perk to buying one way or the other for you guys? Um, no, I mean, what I yeah, and I'll, I'll just explain it. So like we were going through distributors, and then distributors would sell to shops, and then they'd sell through a lot of uh, online retailers as well. <clears throat> what started to happen though is. Um, uh, mainly on the like Amazon side is, yeah, we started to have all these weird things starting to happen like this, um, or like customers receiving a dropper with no lever kit in the box. And I'm like, well, I know I didn't send it out that way. So something happened. Right. <laughs> um, so we just had some weird stuff happening. And so we wanted to really kind of tighten up our, our, our sales channels so that we knew if there was an issue, like it was likely on us. Like right. I'd much rather something stupid happen. I want to fess up to it. And I want to fix it. Yeah, um, totally. So that, that was a big part of it. So um, anyway, so by, by doing that, now we sell direct to shops, we sell direct to customers, we sell 
through a select, like we sell through Jensen, Worldwide Cyclery, uh, Backcountry Competitive Cyclist. Um, a few of those direct, and you know, these are guys that we trust, and you know, I know, I, I know. So, them. like on Amazon, is it like you're you're the person? Amazon, it is us for the most part right now. There's still a few brands that had some inventory, um, like some different sellers, you know. Um, but because of that, yeah, like we're getting there's just there's just aren't issues anymore, which is cool. Is so it that, better for people like like for you? Is it better for you if I'd rather buy, people buy from our shop. Yeah, if you go through pnwcomponents.com, that's much better for us because Amazon's probably taking a cut of whatever you're selling through there. Uh, right? Yeah, they take a fat cut, and then <laughs> uh, yeah, they charge you as much as they can. So yeah, right. there's uh, and they can because they have de- they have the demand and there's, right, right. Uh, I forget how many like a hundred million people go to Amazon every month or something. So I mean the uh, God, I'm the sure these are there. So it's I, I can't avoid Amazon, and if. Like a lot of brands have basically said like, well, we're okay with our product selling, being sold on there, but we're not going to manage it. We're going to have our, our distributor or whoever do it. But for me, I, I, I kind of want control over that relationship because it's such a big channel. Things can get sideways real quick and we want to at least be part of that and know what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, yeah. that speaks to who you guys are and that you yeah. actually are really concerned about your, your customers. And I, I can totally relate with what you're saying. And I think that oh. um, it, it sounds like the, the intent is good. Not like a, I want to micromanage the shit out of everything. It's like, yeah. Hey, I want to make sure that my people are getting taken care of. No, it's, it, it is. I mean, this is easy to say, but it, it is 100% because of customers. Like I, I don't want, I don't want our name out there looking bad because of something stupid that I had no nothing to do with like that. That's, <laughs> that's super frustrating. So um yeah no it, it's to ensure that you know the product quality is good you're getting the newest product you're not getting super old stuff that happened to be on someone's shelf or whatever so um anyway yeah that's is there any kind of shelf life to that to that stuff like like a, like do like the seals start to lose some some um like elasticity or anything like that if it's sitting around too long or i mean inherently anything made out of silicone or rubber or plastic whatever like sure but i mean we're talking like decades um, yeah, yeah. So no, the biggest, biggest one for us, like, you know, we provide a three-year warranty. Um, but biggest one for us is we just want to make sure people have the, the newest iteration. Like if we know <clears throat> that we made a product improvement, we want to make sure what we're selling is the newest stuff mm-hmm. so that we're not going through this cycle of like something we knew about. And then someone's frustrated and we're like, well, if you, you know, if you bought from us, you're going to get the newest stuff, blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's kind of how that one works. How does it work if somebody's out of the warranty period and they're like, have some kind of problem? Will you guys still service it and just charge it? Or like, like, how does that work? I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to be too loose lipped. Like I want to take care of people. I'm not going to screw anyone over. Like I I usually give them the benefit of the doubt. And I mean, and to be honest, we, we haven't had anyone, like we just hit three years. So no one's really uh, in that window. There's, you know, there's a few that'll start coming up, but outside of that, like, we will be providing our service parts for dirt cheap. I mean, I, I'm not trying to, yeah. I don't want that to be a profit center. There, there's a lot of brands that make a ton of money off of warranty uh, or service parts. Um, that doesn't sit well with me and maybe I'll learn my lesson and that's a stupid idea, but I, I don't want to run things that way. No, I mean, I think, yeah. I think, that, I, I think that um, it makes sense. I, yeah. I, I, I um, like I was talking about that, that Cannondale earlier and to, there are some things that like, if you wanted to get it serviced that it had to go back to like Cannondale for, and what they charged you yeah. for, it was just ludicrous. And there's a guy on the East yeah. coast that is basically his whole business is servicing them outside of Cannondale. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, and, and that's who I ended up using. 
because it was like half the price. I could ship it to this dude in New York City and get it back in like a week or New York, right? New York State somewhere. Get it back in like a week or I could send it to Cannondale through my through a shop and get it back in like six weeks. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you can pay twice as much. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's reasons why, why, why it's set up that way. But man, to me personally, that, I don't know, that, that feels like, um, feels like that could be like, if there's just someone making money off of just servicing your stuff, I, I don't know. I just feel like that could be done better, but, um, what do right. I know? I don't know. I'm not running a company that size, so I have no idea, but yeah, uh, no, I, I I'd like to think, I'd like to think that, uh, that, yeah, we can, we can improve that for sure. So you, you guys, um, are you thinking about doing anything other than droppers? Is that, so right now you got droppers, you got stems and stems, you know, we got handlebars. Bars. Um, yeah, so we have a grip that we're working on that's almost done. We have a pedal that's that's awesome. I'm really excited about the pedal actually. So that's uh, that's getting wrapped up here soon. We should have prototypes in like probably. I'd hope I'd hope a minimum of or, or you know within a month. I'd hope to have those here so then we can start oh. testing them and see what's up. Um, Outside of that, yeah, we're looking to looking to keep expanding. I mean, droppers, there's a lot more ground to cover there. Um, you know, there's big challenges on like how do we reduce stack height so that you can have a longer travel longer travel dropper into you know a smaller size frame. Um, so that's more like I'd call that like iterative. Um, and yeah. there's because you were saying on yeah. that interview that you did with Gene, yeah, that you would love to have a 200, but it just doesn't fit in a lot of bikes. We have a 200 and it doesn't wow. fit in a lot of bikes. <laughs> so it's like, but you're not uh, selling it, right? That's something you just like prototyped or something, right? Yeah. I mean, the design's done. Factories tested it. I mean, it, it, like it, it's ready to go. Um, yeah. you know, and it's four months out if we want to order that. But, um, I think I'm, I, I'll bring some in cause like it keeps coming up. Um, and like, I personally, I can't ride one in my bike. I can only run a 150 and I'm six foot two. So, that kind of worries me, but there are more and more bikes that just have the straight seat tube. You can slam the thing in there. There's no issues. So I don't know. We'll yeah, see. I mean, my Bronson, it would fit for sure. Santa Cruz is good about that. Yeah, they got yeah, the straight. There, there's no doubt about it. Wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm six two as well, but I ride a smaller frame. I like to have like because I when I was younger I was into BMX, and yeah. I think that I still ride. Like if if you were to measure me, everybody'd say, "Hey, you should be on an extra large bike." Yep. You know, and and I ride a large just because I like that. Like, I feel like it's like a little bit more nimble, and I just like the way it feels better. And it, it's yep. a trade off, you know. I mean, yeah, you probably because it's a smaller frame, maybe the the front wheel pull up easier on some climbing or something like that. Because yeah, you know, my seat's like super high. You know what I mean? So like that some some of the like body mechanics of maybe how I'm I'm riding it. You know what I mean? Or, no, or I'm totally in the same boat, man. I, I grew up racing BMX, dirt jumping. I always rode tiny, tiny, tiny bikes. So, like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on a size large. Uh, I've got an evil following uh, MB. But I think – I'm pretty sure, yeah, according to their measurements, I should be on an extra large. But yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I love the large. It, it totally fits me fine. And I'm, I'm fine sacrificing, like you said, kind of looping out here and there on steeper stuff or whatever. Yeah. But that's fine. Because like, it's so yeah. – it's, it's rad coming down. So Right. Um, but yeah, the 200. So yeah, we're, we're looking to get into that. And then we want to continue going down the line of like any touch point on the bike, anything that you're going to interact with on the bike, that's not a frame or a, or a shock or a fork. Um, we're, we're going to get involved with, um, also looking into, we have some ideas with actually some like soft goods. So, you know, like jackets and things like that, that, that I think we could do well. Um, and that's kind of getting us into the uncharted territory. Like I haven't made a jacket, but, um, I do, I do know of some, 
like people who are very experienced in it that can help me out that I've worked with in the past and stuff. So that, that one's less risky as like going totally head in on something random, but um, yeah. I, you know, exciting, man. No, we're stoked. And really what we needs to happen is like, we just need to continue innovating and bringing like unique perspective into components, uh, but then deliver them at reasonable prices. Cause what I don't want to get into is becoming more and more and more just like elitist kind of leaving people out of the equation um just purely because we can because i mean if there's something new you inherently can charge more for it than no one because no one else has that but yeah. i don't want to get into that game like what emily and i set out to create things people want and create a community around the brand of of riders that are just wanting to have fun on the bike and they don't care about you know racing or whatever it may be like obviously yeah. stuff can handle racing but we don't want this like totally elitist like bro culture of like oh well if you're not racing or you're not training or if you're not riding with this group of people like you suck like that that's that's crazy you know, you know there's different there's different groups of people out there riding bike and i think we you and i were talking about this before before we went live and uh i i think that you know the t the people that i tend to ride with the most are the ones that are just like super chill about everything yep. you know some some of the guys that i i've i've have in my riding you know group are like just amazing freaking riders you, you know what i mean but they're also like yeah dude i don't care you got a flat i'm gonna lay down take a nap like i don't fucking care you, yeah. you know what i mean like like it doesn't it doesn't matter they're like oh yeah they they can they can cut, probably climb up to the top ride back down and climb back up again before i get up and they're still just they're they're like they're just cool about it like it doesn't matter it's like hey well, we're that's... all here to ride bikes and have fun and i think that's part of you know why I started my channel is I wanted people to see that like it doesn't all have to be that that like penny pinching or like weight weenie or freaking like you got to be like able to do a two mile manual you know I don't know you know what I mean like you, there, there's a lot of people out there that are just like riding bikes man you know no I mean that, it, it's uh it was crazy actually moving up here um the level of riding is insane um being here in in you know Seattle area, but, um, there are so many riders that could easily go out and race, you know, pro enduro and kick ass at it, but they just, they don't, they don't value that. They're like, yeah, no, racing's cool. But like, I don't know, I work full time and I like riding and like, I take it serious, but I'm not going to like go out of my way or anything like that. And they're the most modest people you've ever ridden with and they shred, like, it's incredible. So like that, I mean, that's what I'm all about. Like, just have fun if you're good, cool, but you don't have to brag about it. Yeah. Um, or make anyone else feel bad about it. Cause that's part that really pisses me off is bit, like, I, I'm sure you see it all the time. You're talking about, you know, earlier, like uh, approaching different brands and they don't want to even talk to you. Like that's just, it's, there's no reason for that because it's going to leave a huge swath of the potential riders out of it because they feel left out. Like if I were to go try to ski or snowboard, I suck. And because of that, like, I don't even want to get, I don't even really want to get involved because I know it's like, you know, to get into like, the people uh, are into the the in crowd there. Like you have to be good or whatever. So that's uh biking has a really bad reputation of that. I talked to a lot of my friends and they're like, no, I don't want to get into that. I've heard this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, unfortunately it's kind of true. Like it sucks. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing our best to kind of not. I feel like out. mountain biking is like definitely, you know, I think we're a little bit of a holdout, you know, that the, the, yeah. the best, the best of the, the bikers, at least from the, the perspective that I have, you know, where like a lot of people are just chill and laid yeah. back and they care about the freaking environment and they like, you know, want to go do some like advocacy work or something like that, you know, where you don't necessarily see groups like 
maybe uh road biker groups going out and trying to do some kind of maintenance to help you know their their sport that way you know what i mean like sure no i i completely agree man it's uh and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a big road biker. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, with road? No, I mean road. I have no idea. I actually yeah. don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't ride road bikes, so I don't really know. But um, but I notice it with just within mountain bikes. Like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that kind of in crowd stuff going on. That's I don't know. It's uncalled for. I, I definitely feel like like I feel like there's a lot of people that are in the right right mindset with bikes, and like yeah. I, I I can say like. I, I I don't see very many like trail days set up by the equestrians, you know, and 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 you know you, you got groups where in some parts of the country where mountain bikers have like revitalized a trail system or or built one and then have it end up taken away from them and it, and it's you know by these other groups and it just it just blows my mind. It just I think, completely blows my mind. I think we do have to work harder at that because yeah, there is definitely negative negative stigma going back to like the nineties of like right. what a mountain biker is. And if you're not in the know, you don't know that that's changed or that the perceptions changed at least like, um, so yeah, I think that we have to go out of our way to really be super like ultra courteous on the trail. Like there's a horse, I, I just get off the trail and I don't even yeah. know with it. You know, I'm just not worth getting yeah. into it with them. So, uh, it's just weird, you know, it's like, you never yeah. know what the, that person wants. Cause I've always like, when I grew up like back East and I started riding mountain bikes, like in the nineties, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the, the deal was always just stop, you know what I mean? And let yeah. them go by and then freaking go on your way or whatever. And it, I've, I've stopped and then had like somebody on a horse yell at me before, like, like you know, get away. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do, man? You know, yeah. that thing is huge that you're sitting on, dude. I'm just a guy. You know? Yeah. No, it's a, uh... It kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I do have a, a, a bit of like, I understand the other side of it. So like my parents are way involved. Like they, they get wild horses and they train them and go ride them. So like, they're totally hardcore in that way. So like, I understand the challenges of if like, if you don't have a horse that has been, uh, what's the word? I don't know. I don't know. Like desensitized to what a bike is. Yeah. <clears throat> they'll get nervous and they'll kind of freak out. And then if the rider is also nervous, the horse can sense that they can actually feel that you're yeah, freaked out. Yeah, and then they're all, then they're like, Oh God, what's going on? You know, they're prey animals, man. They're getting eaten yeah. out there. So yeah. these aren't like dogs that are just like chill and have confidence. Like they have no idea what's going on a horse at least. So I, I get the anxiety behind it, but at the same time, um, it does, there's totally like us against them stuff going on. And that doesn't, I don't understand why. doesn't help any of us. Like, even with the hikers and the bikers and the everybody, like, to me, I just feel like everybody should be, like, you all want to go outside. What, what's the fucking problem here? Let everybody go outside and have fun. You the, know? the thing that cracks me up is the amount of time that we're passing each other is literally seconds. But we both go back and we dwell over these things for hours. We're like, fuck, right. is there freaking yeah, hiking? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, just go by. It's over. Like, if yeah, someone says something catty to you, who cares, dude? Just go by them. It doesn't matter. You know, like, they're going to forget about it. You're going to forget about it. I don't know. It's weird, man. It's like, I just don't understand why people just like, this sounds so cliche. Like why can't yeah. people just can't get along? Cause like there's some like trail systems. Okay. So you were down in the Bay area and yeah. a great example where it's yep. a multi-use park. There's horses, there's hikers, there's bikers, because that's like the only thing like right in that area, it's fucking packed all the time with all those people. And yep. I remember when I rode there thinking, this is awesome. Like everybody's just freaking outside having a good time. You yeah. stop or you don't stop or whatever it is. Like everybody's doing this together. Why can't it be like this everywhere? Like yeah. I don't understand, you know? Yep. I I, I really, I don't know. It's, it's got me scratching my head. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. I, I, I really wish we could all figure it out because what ends up happening is trails start to get closed and then we all, we all lose out on it yeah. uh, for the most part. There's, so that's a man. Yeah. And it even the thing that, that blows my mind even more is like this new thing going on in the bike, in the mountain bike industry is like shit on e-bikes. And it's like, so they're like, we're like, we're done. We're done. We want to, we want to finish being like pissed off at all these other people. We're going to be pissed off at ourselves now. You know, it's like, oh my God, man. Just bring it a, let people ride bikes, let people walk, let people ride horses, whatever the hell they want to do. Let's just go out and do it together. Have a good time. You know, I mean, with e-bikes, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I get the, like, the, the, the argument that I hear most, well, the two arguments I hear most often are a, um, like you haven't earned it. So you shouldn't be up here. Like you didn't do the big climb with full effort that I did. So blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, whatever. But the other one is that they may or may not break down the trails quicker because there's more torque. Um, that one's yet to be proven. I have no idea. But um, the, the thing, the thing me, man, is I know guys that are <laughs> way faster than me. And even if I was on a freaking e-bike, I would still be going as fast as them. Yeah. So yeah. Know, that's yeah. the part where I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not a fucking scientist, but I can tell you that there's yeah. definitely some dudes laying some torque down, you know? No, totally. I mean, that, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, like the cool thing about them for me is like my parents could get on one yeah. and go into areas that they'd never be able to get to before and see really cool stuff. Um, and then maybe, and then they'd advocate for it because they tell their friends like how awesome it is back there. If it ever came to a situation where land needed to be protected, so we have access to trails, so it's not getting you know mined or whatever. Like the more people that have access to that stuff, to me, is a good thing because right. no one gives a shit about these very far out places that some of us like to ride. Right, they're going to get taken away. It's going to get you know logged, or it's going you know in uh, my hometown of Napa, we just had a big piece of a awesome trail network called Skyline Park. Uh, got turned into gravel like it's a gravel mine now so that sucks uh, uh but if we had more people up there they would be advocating and signing their petition and all this stuff right so if an e-bike helps with that i don't care that's great like yeah i didn't know, know that happened to skyline not all skyline. They had a bunch of damage there from the fire a couple years ago so skyline as a whole still, yeah i'm talking there's uh there's one corner of the park uh, i think it was called upper skyline trail and upper buckeye uh-huh uh, those are gone like the, those oh, are now part of uh Sayar. Sayar is like a big mining group that's next door um it, in their defense like you know they, they had some sort of agreement where basically like skyline i think was leasing it so um uh, yeah. but still there was a big protest and if more people had gotten involved it wouldn't have happened so if, yeah, definitely. if yeah. more people uh, want to get on an e-bike and go up there and enjoy it like and that helps protect it that's great right right <laughs> so the other day i was watching a video from uh seth bike hacks and he yeah. was talking about one of his favorite things is this dropper that he has that's wireless. Um, you guys thinking about doing that? Mm. Uh, no, not at this point. I don't point. see, I personally don't see the huge benefit to a rider, right? Like it's cool, super uh -huh. cool. Um, but I mean, I, for, I, him, I, yeah. for him, what he was saying was, that it was really handy because then he could just swap it in between bikes really easily, you know? So it was just like, Ooh, popping in here, popping in there, you know? But like what percent of riders have tons Multiple of bikes? They want to swap droppers yeah. between, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a niche. That's very niche. That's very yeah. niche. And I think, I think that niche rider, clearly they got some money and they probably will have the money to buy a fancy ass dropper that does that. So <laughs> um, like, I think it's cool. Like from a technology standpoint, that's incredible what they figured out. Like, they have a mechanism that can go up and down. Like that's pretty cool. But um, 
at this point, we're not looking into it. Once, once the demand is there and we start getting questions about it, like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to it. I just, I'm not seeing the value quite yet. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm fine with the way it works myself. And you know, I just figure I wanted to ask the question, right? Totally, man. No, so, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. It's wild. So what kind of, what kind of, uh, writing do you like to do? Uh, I like getting pretty rowdy. I love jumps. I love downhill. Um, yeah, I think up here we're super spoiled. There's a lot of that around. So like this morning we went out on a, a group ride with a local shop called uh, the Polka Dot Dur Jersey is the shop. Uh -huh. uh, awesome group. They're shredding. So like we were just bombing steep, loamy stuff. We got a bunch of rain. And the cool thing with this particular area we rode is the more rain it gets, the more grippy and tacky it gets. Like there's, oh, nice. like there's not really mud. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, we were just right around there and I don't know that I, I prefer that stuff. I love like high speed corners, steep stuff, jumps, whatever it may be, um, is kind of my style. Um, I've gotten more into, well, you don't really have a choice around you. You have to do pretty big climbs. Um, yeah. A few thousand feet per, per ride. So that's just kind of how it is. But, um, because of that, I've gotten in a little better shape so I can do bigger rides, which is good. So then, then when you lived in the Bay area, you feel like they're bigger climbs than they are down here um yeah i mean it depends on what you're looking for but I, on average yeah i mean we've got um basically you're you're in the cascade mountains which are somewhat equivalent to like you know the sierras they're they're pretty wow. big so i mean you're the cool thing here though is like you're getting to that like high alpine much sooner just because of our longitude latitude whatever it is oh God, whatever yeah. the one that goes up so the more north you are the like the lower timber line is going to be and obviously the, the climate is way colder and wetter here so um you know like getting up to a 4,000 foot peak is uh, from sea level. Like that's, that's a big ride, but that's also like full on like backcountry mountain environment. Right. And for that, for you guys, like that's like where Auburn is. So, I mean, that's right. kind of the foothills. So it's, it's just, right. it's different. It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. I know when I rode up in, I've ridden in Oregon a handful of times and yeah. I've ridden in um, like, southern southern washington so basically just like on the other side of the river from portland you know oh and, yeah uh, like vancouver area yeah yeah like out towards like mount st helens kind of stuff like that and yeah um it, it's definitely i know one thing that i noticed that it seemed to me that the trail builders there like just charge straight up a hill more than like in california it seemed like they would do a little more work on the switchbacks getting up where I was like, man, these guys like it's steep up here, man. Cause I, I remember at the time, like, like the last, the first time I went up there, I was in like super good shape and, and was riding super strong down here. And I got up there and it was like, these dudes I was riding with, they were like freaking, all right, dude, you coming or what? You yeah, know? Like, Whoa, what the hell? Yeah. It's uh, we're, we're super, super spoiled. Uh, we have evergreen mountain bike Alliance and they're like animals. They're, they're building so, so many trails. Um, it's crazy. It, it's, like, it's, it seems like the attitude up there is a lot different. Like, yeah. like up there, I know like the, the group of guys that I had met just people from like MTBR is what I would do back then. It's just like, you know, um, put a message out on the Oregon board and be like, Hey, I'm going to be in Portland. Somebody want to show me around, you know, and met, met a bunch of people like that. Nice. And they, they'd be like, you know, Oh yeah, I rode out yesterday with the chainsaw, did some trail work, blah, 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 you know? And it's like no big fucking deal. And it's like down here, it's like, if you wanted to go do some trail work in Auburn, you're, you're, you're going to be, be like tied up in like some paperwork for two years. You know, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think that's the difference. I mean, everyone I know builds up here. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's, that's, um, 
like you'll go out on, for instance, we have this trail called uh, Poppin' Tops at this place called Raging River. And it'll get thrashed, like breaking bumps, ruts, whatever, just because of, you know, rain or whatever it may be, or, or peak summer conditions. And you come back the next weekend and it's perfectly repaired again. It's just like, right. the hell? So there, there's that. But the, the bigger part is what you mentioned. Um, the Department of Natural Resources up here, it, who, who manages a lot of the land or at least gives, you know, the, the ability to build they're very willing to make that happen and, and from what i remember in california it was everything i built got torn down it was just like nope can't have that or like oh you build dirt jump nope torn down like here we have a massive dirt jump park right down the street from my house in a like soccer complex and they've been there for like 20 years and no one's yeah. thrown them down i'm like dude that would that would have been gone in a second if that were back home so yeah. i think for whatever reason just the mindset of just how litigious people tend to be uh, is different here. You know, if like a kid goes and gets hurt, unfortunately, that that's part of biking. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the parent's first reaction is, well, I'm going to sue the city because yeah. they allowed this to be here. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have been riding that level of jump or, well, maybe you'll learn next time. Or, or yeah, or at the end of the day, Just, it's an accident. Like, I don't understand why, like, stuff happens, man. about w- what an accident is. Like, it's an accident. Yeah. You know? I, I remember uh, as a kid, like, we had a little, you know, a, like some some land where we used to build jumps and it was uh at my parents place and they were terrified to let me have friends over because they're like i want to we need a waiver sign like they actually got a waiver done up so that like friends of mine's parents would sign it just so they knew what was going on and it it terrified me to the point where i was like well i don't even want to have people over here anymore like this is sketchy and and they weren't wrong for being freaked out about it because that stuff happens all the time and up here up here i've never heard of it like you just yeah. it doesn't happen, which is pretty cool. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I think I I don't know what's causing it because we're not that far from you guys. Like we're one yeah. state up, so it's uh. It, but yeah, it is definitely a different mindset of uh. Like yeah, the first reaction isn't to go sue, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely very different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting how things change around. You know, even just around the country, in one place to another. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some like. Like Sedona, for example. I mean, that's all like rogue trail builders that built that whole freaking thing. Yeah, and they let it happen. Like the city or the state is like, cool. Right. And and now what do they have? They have a freaking huge industry of people coming there and like spending money and all like, you know, pumping dollars into their state because of something that was like, you know, quote unquote, done illegally. You know what I mean? But I think it's all about the approach, you know, it's really about the approach. It is and seeing the advantage, right? Because I I think at least when I was growing up, like BMX was viewed as like kind of a sort of a low brow thing to do. You know, like we got a lot of comments of like, um, we had this old abandoned lot that we had some jumps in and one of the neighbors called the cops on us and was like saying pretty derogatory things. Like we were, you know, low low class kids riding, you know, doing bikes because that's what they, they, you know, that's what low class kids would be doing blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, come on. Are you serious right now? Like we're riding our bikes. At least we're not doing drugs here, but jumps got torn down anyway. So it's, uh, it's tough, man. It's uh, you kind of can't win (laughs) with bikes. I just remember riding all over the place. They would be like, Hey, there's a jump here that, that jumps over this alleyway. And there's a jump here that, you know, two of your buddies got to stand out on the street and tell you that there's no cars coming. You can hit that one. (laughs) Like, you know, we would just like drive, ride around town doing that. And it's like, 
on, on one hand, yes, that, you know, that was definitely us being productive with ourselves, but you know, come like recycling day when we did kickouts on every fucking trash can down the road, that probably wasn't a great idea. Like great for the, the community. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, You know, it is what it is with kids, you know? So I, I think that any, anything getting kids outside nowadays is freaking a million times better than, than the other opportunities at this point. It's a challenge, man. I know that, uh, when I was, I, I don't know if I believe the trend is still going kind of in the same direction, but, um, I was responsible for the P series bikes, like P three that specialized the P slope and then, you know, the BMX bikes and stuff. Um, just the amount of kids riding, wanting bikes as a present or having any interest was just like, and we started doing some research and this isn't unique to bikes at all, but more and more kids just aren't going outside. Like they'd rather chill, yeah. on, chill on the couch and game on their phone or text their buddies or whatever. Um, I'll tell you one that really like kind of yeah. blew me away was whenever like guitar hero came out yep. and these people would be like getting all into it and they're like playing all these songs and they're spending all this time doing it and, and getting, you know, the other instruments to play. And I'm like, dude, why don't you just learn how to fucking play guitar? Like, like you could be so sick at guitar with all the time you're putting in. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like you actually could be playing that ACDC song instead of playing a game about playing the song. You know? Like, yeah, like, sorry, dude, in a few years here, when you go to college and you're at some, like, party and there's an acoustic guitar, right? you're not going to know what the fuck to do because you've just yeah. been pressing buttons. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, good luck getting laid with Guitar Hero, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like carry the guitar around to the bar right? and say, oh, cool, dude. how many buttons can you press yeah. right <laughs> so um back back to back to pnw component yeah, yeah. um do you think that there's any like like mistakes that you feel like you've made over over the last couple of years that you if you could turn back you would you would wish that you could change you know we haven't done the like yet you know i'm still giving myself plenty of time to do this uh we haven't done like the massively bad mistakes of like oh man we screwed uh, that up. yeah i totally screwed that and boom um but yeah i mean i, I screw up all the time i mean that's yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what um yeah i mean i'm I, obviously you know there's some trends that we should have jumped on sooner um like um, like i was talking about the stack height like the fact that one up came out and had like the drop uh the drops uh c clamp and, and the lower actuator like duh should have jumped on that one sooner um the longer travel stuff i think we're in a good position with and we'll bring those in um the dropper lever should have jumped on that way sooner um yeah. but you know I'm, I'm really happy with the product we have but it would have been great if we had that yeah months or you know even a year ago um yeah. so yeah there's a lot of you know smaller things like that in terms of like our growth strategy I'm, I'm really happy with where we're at actually like we're, we're growing very quickly we're getting the right partners and and all of that um i think our marketing efforts uh, could be bumped up there, and that's something we've like we have a plan for. So, going next so how week. many how many people is is PNW at this? Point? Yeah, so we've got. Um, I guess there's five of us right now, yeah. which is right cool. On. So um, yeah, I, I remember correctly on your website, like almost all you guys came from like different bike company kind of like bike industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy. We're totally spread out, and the way that I've wanted to kind of structure the company that. Um, helps us, you know, it's a quality of life thing. It's a product productivity thing. You know, I've worked in ultra corporate environments where it's just endless meetings and people coming by your desk just to chit chat and waste your time. Right. So like you may be at the desk from eight to five or eight to seven, whatever, but 
you're not actually working that whole time. And for me, that's crazy. Like you should be, <clears throat> you're going to get your best work done when you're happy and you're feeling motivated and, and good about what you're doing. Um, yeah. And you have time. You got to take breaks. Like I, this mentality of like, like I saw a quote from Elon Musk yesterday, like the only way to change the world and do big things is to work 80 hour weeks. And it's like, there's so much, so much research that, 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 that literally is not possible. Like you cannot concentrate on one thing for 80 hours in one week. Um, you may be, you know, like Emily and I are working every single day, all day long. I mean, our minds are on things, yeah. we're chatting about things, but me at the computer typing is not 80 hours a week. Right. Just, so what I wanted to do is, you know, pass that into the company as well. So like, if people want to work remote, great, do it. Like if yeah. you want to sit on your couch and work and you're getting tons done, and then you want to go out and ride or go hang out with your family. Good. Do it. I don't care. Like, I think you'll see more and more companies go in that direction over time. Well, and you know, you mentioned, you know, you had worked in the tech industry. I basically just stole the idea from that. I mean, there, there's lots right. of very successful companies doing it this way. And so I kind of studied how they did it, read a lot of books, read tons of, you know, on blogs and actually called and spoke to a lot of people like, how are you ensuring that work is getting done? People are feeling good about what their work. I mean, at the end of the day, to... you have productivity. Like that's what yep. like it tells you everything. So, so it's like, you know, I've had times in my IT career where people were like, hey, let's uh let's block Facebook because you know the employees shouldn't be fucking wasting their time on there. And I'm like, dude, that's not an IT issue. Yeah, we could we could we could solve it by yeah. an IT issue, but that's still not fixing the problem of somebody wants to fucking not work. That's a management issue. That's you know a cultural I mean? so, that's a cultural issue, right? They're feeling yeah. disengaged with their job to the point where they're like, I don't I don't want to be here and I'm going to go on. And well, here's the deal. If you want to go on Facebook and get your mind off of work for a few minutes, who cares? Like, good. Yeah. Do that. Like yeah. I've done that. For I, sure. I feel so, like, I feel like if you have the opportunity <clears throat> to just kind of like make your way through your day at, at, at how, how you feel comfortable with it, that you can be yeah. way more productive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it's, if it's you, like, for instance, I work in tech. So like, yeah, hey, yeah. I have messenger up, I'm bullshitting with friends and like, yep. you know, all day long, all day long. Yep. But you take that away from me, I'm going to be a shit show because like I, that's like what keeps me going. You know what I mean? Like, and I have that ADD personality where if I don't have distractions constantly, I'm, I'm fucking screwed. You no, know? It's uh, and you know, this all trickles back to like our school system, right? Like you're, you're told like sit there and you have to concentrate and, you know, pay attention to what the teacher's saying. And that's how, if you don't learn that way, like you're an idiot. And I got that. Oh my God. I got that so much as a kid. Cause I was all over the place. I was like a wild kid. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I'm stupid. I just didn't fit into that environment and I got yeah. in a lot of trouble because of it constantly. So, um, and that trickles into the workforce, right? It's more convenient for a large organization to keep your employees in one spot and know that they're not looking at Facebook because then you don't have to worry about managing them. Right. So, that's one way of doing it, but I know from personal experience, and you know from personal experience, that's not how people work. It's it's yeah. very rare. There are people that can do it, but it's very rare to find them where they can yeah. literally focus an entire day and then yeah. go home and then they don't think about work. Like for me, I'd rather wrap it into my routine. Like today's Sunday. I went out and rode in the morning and then I worked. And then after we're done with this, I'm gonna go work till bedtime. But yeah. Yeah, my lady works for for at home and yeah. she you know basically is kind of running her own gig, you know, so to speak. And, uh, I mean, that's how she does. She's like, get up, you know, make breakfast, work on this for a little bit, be on that conference call, go to the gym, work on this for a little bit, yeah. work on that for a little bit. Oh, go buy the grocery store. You, you know what I mean? And it's like, 
she's fucking productive as hell, man. And yeah. I look at that and I, I'm like envious as hell. And on the other hand, she like, you know, doesn't have the, 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 <clears throat> talk to all the time, but. And that's, that yeah. is a big part. No, that is totally a big piece of it is, is uh, like, it is good to, to interact with folks. So, I mean, basically what we do is like, again, like, here's what you need to be working on. And as long as it's getting done on time and you're doing a good job yeah. and you're stoked, Great. I don't care what you do, man. You can be anywhere in the world. I don't care. So yeah, I mean, we have like our designer and, and engineer. He's uh, he's in Argentina. He used to do design for freaking Lamborghini. Like the dude's oh, super wow. Yeah, he's awesome. So we're we're very fortunate to have him. I wouldn't be able to work with him if we had an office and he wasn't willing to leave Argentina, right? So I mean, that's right. that's dumb for me. Uh, right. We have you know, especially with the way the world's connected yeah. now. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Why not to get the no. best people you can, no matter where they're at. Totally you agree. Know? Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, we've got a guy uh, who helps with like kind of the back end of setting up our, our Facebook and, and social media stuff. Um, he's in the UK. And then we've got uh, another engineer who helps us. Um, he's based in, you know, he's from Portland, but he spends, he's in Taiwan, right? So, I mean, there you go. Wouldn't be able to work with him if you, if we had to have everyone here. So, um, so do you have to go over there over to Taiwan a lot? <clears throat> Or do you have like that guy that's over there kind of like handle that for you or? Depends on the project. So yeah, like Lone Lever, that's, that, that's him. So I, yeah. I, I don't go there for that one. Um, if we, yeah, like Emily and I were there, like I said, I can't remember. I think it was early October. Um, we went over there, um, which was great. So it, it's really important to check in with all these different vendors you're working with and different factories. Um, and then also it's good just to meet new you know, kick up new projects, see what, see what's going on. I mean, it's crazy how, how much you can learn just by going over there and talking to people like, well, you know, what how are the, you... what are the OEM, you know, what's, what's hot in OEM right now? Cause the bike brands are developing basically two years ahead. Right. So if you kind of hear some rumors of like, oh, I think so-and-so might be going with this new standard or this diameter, like then I can get ahead of it. So that, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't, that wouldn't happen unless I'm there. So we oh, go. That makes sense. I would never really thought about that. Like, Hey, let's say, specialized decides to use a different size seat tube all of a sudden and so, if you don't have that in the, that's like turns into the biggest selling bike like you're kind of screwed then mm -hmm. yeah no that's definitely how do you how do you deal with like quality control and stuff like that so quality control can be uh, a number of ways so depending on the factory so like with our dropper posts these guys are, are dialed i trust their coffee i trust their qc team um mm -hmm. for our new pedal project i don't know this factory quite as well so I've hired a company who will just be doing QC. And what's nice about that is it's been quality checked by the factory. Uh -huh. And then I get a second set of eyes that is completely unbiased. Like they, right. work, for, they work for us. Right. And they're, they're, they have no incentive to tell us otherwise that there's something wrong. Right. So they're, uh, that's how I like to handle that type of situation. It just totally depends. Yeah. It, it's, it's project dependent. It's factory dependent. But it has to be really exciting just like making new things, you know? Oh my God. Is that, it, is that probably like your favorite part or? It is, man. I'm, I'm uh, definitely a product guy. You know, that's my background is developing stuff and I get super excited about it. Um, I remember developing bikes. Like we, uh, I'd be able to like, you know, think about it. You're building your own bike, right? Right. It's awesome. So that was what my job was. Um, you know, there's many more factors into it, but at the end of the day, you're, you're basically specking out a bike part for part. And so what got me so pumped was like, come back from Taiwan with like all the new products that are available. And maybe there's some new project I kicked off and coming together and figuring out that, Oh, we can actually afford to put like a XTR derailleur on a $2,000 hardtail. Like 
I would I would lose my shit. Like that's the best yeah. feeling ever. So yeah, no, well, I mean, it's gonna be cool then. Like seeing yeah. it, like seeing things like yeah. like something tangible. You're like, let's just yeah. say you worked on the Bronson, right, on building that, sure. and then that bike being like, you know, just everybody's talking about it, and it's just you know, like people are super amped about it, and it's like, dude, I oh, did yeah. that. Like that's awesome. You no, know, it is. It is. It, it it's a it, it's a hard. I think there's a perception that like we're all just kind of sitting around drinking beer and dicking off, but like it's it's right. really hard work, man. Because you're, the, I mean, it's big business, right? There's millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. So like a miscalculation right. or any sort of screw up on your part that comes back on you, and you can lose your job over it. So and, and, and let alone like if you develop something and you get a little too aggressive, and maybe you have a recall where someone could be injured. Yeah, that would that, that's on you, man. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a horrible feeling. So yeah, it's high pressure. But yeah, like, like you said, having something tangible where you can say, like, we, you know, we designed this and someone's yeah. happy about it. That is a really good feeling for sure. Yeah, I know if I was in your shoes, I would be trying to make all kinds of shit too. I'd be like, I yeah. want to do a seat post or and then I want to do this part and then I want to do this part. And then I, just because I just like yep. making shit, you know, so it'd be like, no, I'm dude, it's, it's the same way, stuff, you know. It's totally the same way. And like, you know, you start going out, you get with your buddies and then you start like have some beers and start thinking about all these things like, oh, well, what if you could do this? Then, you know, that's actually that's how a lot of good projects kind of start is that yeah. process. But um, but then, you know, there's more a little more science to it just in terms of like, is there a market for it and how would this work? Yeah. And all that? But um, yeah, it's fun, dude. It's definitely fun. Right on, man. Yeah. Well, I know that you have a meeting with your guys coming up here shortly. Yeah. So I want to give you some time to, to get in, into them. I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time to to sit down and chat with me today, and everybody that that got to listen to it online. Hopefully, hopefully they all hit the thumbs up button. We're going to remind them about it right now, just in case they didn't. So thank you guys. If if, uh, if you guys didn't hit the thumbs up button yet, go ahead and hit it now. Also, if you want to see more content like this hit the subscribe button. It only takes a second and then you're done. And then you don't have to worry about it ever again. Every time you hear me say this, you'll be like, oh, I already did that. So boom, got something checked off your list for the day. Um, anything you want to say about PNW before we wrap it up, man? No, I mean, if you guys, uh, if, if we're new to you, please check us out. Um, like I said, I personally respond to, you know, all of our customer service uh, inquiries that come in. So if you have questions or you want to grill us on something, Please, like it, that's that's really what makes us better, and I think that is one thing that sets us apart. Is you are getting a direct line to, uh, you know, to to the company. Really, uh, there's no layers of of uh, of fat to get through. So, um, no, we're uh, really excited for next year. We've we've got a whole new team that we just sponsored, so we can't announce who those are yet. But uh, we got some really cool stuff coming out. And Robert, thank you for having us yeah. on. Man. Dude, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see all your stuff that you have coming yeah. out and i'll tell you not you know no no not blowing smoke up your ass like i have not heard anybody say anything negative about your stuff yet and everybody that i've talked to is just like dude that shit's solid like you know and, and going through the install yesterday of I, I wanted to do that at least you know before i had a chance to talk to you and uh that thing was it was super slick it was easy to do everything that I looked at like packaging wise was great. And I just, I'm, 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 I'm super happy to have the opportunity to sit here and chat with you because I, I feel like you're doing good stuff and hopefully, you know, more people will be able to, hopefully I'll be able to influence some more people to help you out because I, I just think what you're doing is, 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 is righteous, man. So no, thank you, man. I, I, I really appreciate that. That's uh that kind of make, that makes all this worth it. Good as you know, it's uh, it's tough, but uh, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Right on. Well, all you guys out there, 
you guys know the deal. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one, bitches. <laughs>